Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Since 1983, this nine-time Eisner Award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available. They pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available to anyone, anywhere, via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals, and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. All Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit AllYeahComics.com and follow All Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Aw, yeah. My comic shop closed seven years ago, but along my journey, I've met other stores with colorful communities all their own. One of those is Acme Comics in Greensboro, North Carolina, owned by Jermaine Exum, a.k.a. the Enigmatic Lord Retail. Now, I am speaking with the man himself in the definitive Lord Retail interview series. This is volume two of Their Comic Shop History. Welcome to the Once and Future Lord Retail, a My Comic Shop History Trilogy event. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me for this episode and the entire trilogy is the owner of Acme Comics in Greensboro, North Carolina, Lord Retail himself, Jermaine Exum. Welcome. Hello, Anthony. It's good to, uh, always good to talk with you. Uh, I always say we don't talk enough, but, you know, we talk at least once a week about stuff, right? Just in general. Yeah, I would say we're in pretty regular contact. The vast majority of it is through social media and texting, but that's not nothing. And when we have the opportunity to do episodes like this, we actually get to to speak to one another and to see each other virtually, but at least we're still face-to-face in a way. So yeah, I would say we're in pretty regular contact. Yeah, and I get to hear your voice you know, on various podcasts also. So, But yeah, it's, it's good to be back and uh, talking about stuff. 
Yes. Alas, you, you don't have, uh, we're, you know, you're coming through clear and everything, but uh, we, we hopped on the Zoom and you were like, I don't have my microphone. I don't have my headphones. You're killing me here, man. You're, you're lucky. Uh, my mind's kind of been all over the place. You're lucky I have shoes on. <laughs> you're talking about a, a headset. But yeah, I, I completely forgot how to do anything, which is, that's how I am sometimes. But, you know, speaking about, uh, uh, you know, the, the extent to which we're, we're in regular contact, I was thinking about this because I feel like I know you fairly well at this point, as much as anyone can truly know the mysterious Lord Retail. But, you know, we've been talking, again, primarily through social media and texts since 2015, since the year I started this podcast. That was the first time we came into contact. So not a decade, but we're, we're getting there. We're almost there. Oh. That's uh, that's shocking to me. The passage of time has always been weird for me, but especially, you know, the the, the pandemic years had been difficult to measure time. Like, oh, that happened two years ago. It's like, well, wait a minute, that can't have been two years ago. Because during that zone, like, uh, you know, for example, say no customers were allowed in store, you know, so it's just passage of time is weird for, for me. Apparently, Batman, the animated series debuted 30 years ago today. Thank you for instantly dating this recording. Awesome. Much appreciated. But yes, there <laughs> yeah. are there are a number of uh, key anniversaries uh, for, for us superhero fans. The Batman, the animated series. For for me in particular, we're coming up on the 30-year anniversary of the death of Superman, which, man, that makes me feel old. More so than that, the Batman cartoon. That, that, that plays a little role. But the death of Superman, it's like, man, it's 30 years as a comic book reader. Doesn't feel like it, but it's a long time. It doesn't even sound right. 30 years ago, I was unable to get a first printing copy of Superman 75 at this very store that I now own. That doesn't sound right. I know. It's crazy, man. But, you know, on this note of of knowing you, of knowing Lord Retail, other than your parents, I mean, who... And I, I mean, I'm assuming your parents would, would be among the, the, the group who, who know you best, but I don't want to make any assumptions. Let's not make assumptions on that one. Let's not make any assumptions, I guess. So let me let me pose the question to you. I mean, who who in your circle really knows you best? And beyond the the Lord Retail who's standing at the front of the store and making recommendations, but the actual man beneath the fedora, who, who knows you best in your world? So to answer your question and to reframe it, who knows me better than I know myself? I think that the answer I'd give would be the same one I would have given five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago is, uh, uh, Joe Schramm knows me the best. He knows me better than I know myself. Sometimes he has to remind me of who, who I am. And he's the guy that's, uh, that had the job here before I got the job. You know, he's the guy that, uh, I would come around the shop, kind of hang out with chat a little bit. Hey, can I help do anything? And then here I am now, but, you know, I think that someday it will take, you know, multiple people, 20, 30, 40, 50 people telling different stories to form a, a complete, you know, person. But he's a person that knows me the best, I, I believe. You know, they say that in the minds of everyone that you know is a completely different version of you that is not you. But to them, it is. And I think about that sometimes. Interesting. Do you feel, I mean, I know so much of your time is at the store, so I don't even know if this question even applies, but I know for a lot of people, you know, we, we have sort of different, different personas or we carry ourselves in different ways, depending on who we're interacting with and, and the setting. So, I mean, I don't know for myself, I don't feel like I'm vastly different 
different between what I do now when I'm on this podcast and what I do in the classroom as a professor, to be perfectly honest, in a lot of respects. But yes, I'm what'd you say? I believe you're not different. I believe you're the same person in probably most arenas of life. I think for the most part, I, yeah, I mean, I do think that is true, but how does, how does that uh, play out for you? That's a, it's a lot. It's a lot, you know, um, being in the store so much and having to be in salesmanship role in, uh, oftentimes diplomatic role, so many different things in the more, uh, the more hats like that, that you wear, no pun intended because they wear hats. It gets you sometimes further away from who you are when you're not here. And when you're not here, you're maybe like eating or sleeping, then that really encroaches, you know? And when you do that for decades at this stage, it's, it's kind of a thing. It's kind of a thing. Um, it was so busy in here last Saturday and, you know, I'm not complaining that we, we were, uh, people wanted to come see us. They wanted things we had not complaining, but it was so busy that I find that I slip into this autopilot mode where the door opens, my brain recognizes a subscriber. I go to get their stuff from their box and I'm just on autopilot. I'm just in motion. I'm moving. So I don't know if it's a, uh, and while I'm doing that, I see that something is sold that needs to be restocked. I see that there's someone, maybe they're sort of looking for a thing and I think I might know what it is. And my brain is doing all these things very quickly, but I'm also not actively thinking about those things to where there was a person where I had a full conversation with them. And once everything calmed down, I had to ask them, did I answer your question? You asked me something. Did I answer your question? And they go, yeah, you, you helped me find this thing. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a uh, constant, like a, not fight or flight. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's like some type of like mode where you're sort of ready for action, ready for this, ready for this. Where's it coming from? And I stay, I stay that way for a while in my life. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear you say all of that, and I, I do think about, and this is not 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 to psychoanalyze you or anything like that, but yeah. by all means, go right ahead. <laughs> no, but it's like I'm sure you know I'm sure it's a tough thing, and I look, I've seen this firsthand with other comic shop retailers when the store dominates, and it's so easy for it to dominate, right? And and so much of of what you do and your sense of self and your time, like it's all wrapped up in the store. That I, I, I'm I'm sure that that can be tough sometimes to kind of keep that. That, that that core of of the person again beneath the fedora beneath the fedora by the way was almost going to be the title of this trilogy that's why I keep saying it because I had it in my head <laughs> no I, I don't own a fedora though I have hats but I don't actually own a fedora that's a very specific hat I know but, I know I just always think of you as wearing a fedora but I know they're not I mean I right now I gotta, you, I gotta get one right now you're wearing a baseball cap but what's the other type type of hat that you typically wear is it like a like a bowler hat what's it what's it called that you typically wear I, I, I do have a bowler hat um but uh, I wear a lot of baseball hats right now where I, I feel like I don't even I don't even dress like the uh, like my little icon that I use out uh, in, in the world. I don't dress that way anymore. I think I might need to start doing that again. I'm off brand. <laughs> if but, you uh, if like one of your customers saw you out in the wild, like at a supermarket and you didn't have your hat 
and maybe you even had your glasses off, but even just the hat, how likely is it, do you think, that they would just walk right past you and not even know it's Lord Retail? There's, there, at this stage, there are not regular customers, but there, there are people that I should know who they are. If I see them out of context of this store, it'll take me a second. I'll say, wait a minute, do I know this person? Like completely out of context. So for me, I think that, you know, the more that I've removed like hat and glasses, that's the disguise if I do that type of thing, um, which I've done before, you know, at, uh, at HeroesCon uh, last year. No, not last year. It was this year. When I arrived that evening, I kind of figured out where everybody else from the store was. And, you know, I didn't have my hat or glasses on. And, you know, for I think for a microsecond, it took them a bit to figure out what was going on. Interesting. The, you know, the, these episodes that we're doing here, first of all, this is the first time that you are on my comic shop history since becoming owner officially of Acme Comics. You were on the show in fall of 2020. We did our Rejected by New York Comic Con special. I was the one who's, who was rejected, not you, just to be clear. But we did that. And then more recently, since you did take over as owner, I did have you on my Superman show, Digging for Kryptonite, and we talked about the Bendis run on Superman. And I did introduce you as owner then. But this is the first time having you on this show talking about your, your current role, which will be great. But the other thing that's cool and interesting is that We've been down this road before, man. You've been on My Comic Shop History three times before. You are a prominent interviewee in the My Comic Shop Country documentary film. So I feel like this allows us to be a little bit looser, but also maybe get into some new territory. Because it's like, we don't need to spend a half hour talking about how you got the name Lord Retail. We've been down yeah. that road. We covered it. Science fiction author M.A. Foster came into the store, called you Lord Retail, bowing down before you, Lord Retail, Lord Retail. A little while later, you needed a name for the Bendis message board. You went with Lord Retail. It's stuck. And now it's a whole thing, right? It's almost like, yeah. Did I have any choice in these matters or did the universe just plant mile markers? I wonder about that as well sometimes because so many things seem to have just, this is what's happening. This is what must happen. This is what has to happen, right? It's kind of weird. Yeah. Now, let me say, because I was you know thinking about what, what, what we would talk about, what we would cover and I, I kept coming back to to what, what I perceive to be some of the core qualities, identifying characteristics of Jermaine, a.k.a. Lord Retail. And I don't say this to, to try to reduce you to a few things. You're more than this. But I think the things that, that most stand out to me when I think of you, the core qualities that make up Lord Retail, number one, and I'll just say this quickly because it's going to sound like I'm blowing smoke, but I mean it sincerely. Your character, your kind, your kindness, your thoughtfulness, your generosity, that's paramount. I think that's a bedrock of who you are. That is what I have perceived and what I have experienced. So that's number one. Number two, and I'm not going in order here. Uh, number two is the look, man. I got to say, the hat, the kicks, the glasses, the beard, like it's a vibe. You got a vibe. You have... It is, it you know, going along with this idea of like the character of Lord Retail, it's like you really, it's a, it's a look. And in one of these episodes, I do want to talk a little bit about maybe how you developed that, how you cultivated this, this specific vibe, if, you know, if anything comes up. Number three would be the salesmanship, the Lord Retailness of of everything that you do. The guy who's there in the shop when people walk in, the guy people ask, hey, what's new? What's good? The person who can make those connections, those recommendations for people. And then finally, and we've had a lot of fun with this uh, in the documentary and on the podcast in the in the past, but the 
the enigma that is Lord Retail, the mysteriousness, the crypticness. And, and there's a lot to unpack with all of these things. But when I think of you, especially when I think about what, what we could sort of talk about in the context of these episodes, those are, those are kind of some of the things that, that really stand out to me. And I would, I would imagine an audience, I would love to hear from you, especially those of you who know Lord Retail, if you're part of the Acme community, am I, am I on the money here? What do you think? Um, I think that, yes, the, the, the things you've mentioned, which, which I appreciate all those things I do. I think that those are elements that most people would gravitate towards if they had to, you know, list off like four things about the comic shop guy. Those might be the things that, that are that are mentioned. So the question is, is there anything else? You know, you peel back those layers. Like, is there anything beyond those layers or is there not anything else there? That's the real question. Well, what do you say? I mean, and again, I even, but even for myself, like I'm not trying to say that that's, that's all there is, but I'm curious for you, like, as I say those things, like, I guess, what is the thing or what are the things that you're like, oh, that should be on that list? You know, like, what, well, well, is there something that you were waiting to hear or hoping to hear, expecting to hear that you did it? And you're like, oh, I would definitely include that on the list of what makes up Lord Retail. My brain doesn't really work that way as far as, uh, you know, what's something that, that, that's been overlooked? What's a, what's a talent, a skill? I, I just don't, I just don't even think in those terms. I really don't. Um, this is probably, probably, you know, part of the problem. Uh, I'll acknowledge that I'm even, even there are moments where even I say, I'm really good at my job. I am really good at my job, you know, and my job is to connect people to interesting things that we offer here. My job is to help make sense out of what can sometimes be a very colorful and noisy world of comic books and new releases from, you know, 30 different publishers in anything I can do to use. Sometimes when I'm interacting with a new person, not initially, but after a few times of interacting, I'll let them know that everything I know about comic books is at their disposal. They just have to ask me questions if they even want to. So I, I like to think that I'm a, I'm an open book in that way for, for new people because I didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily have that when I was a customer and I equally wouldn't have been bold enough to just ask a bunch of questions either, if that makes sense. So I try to be in some ways, something that wasn't available to me when I was a customer. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does. Actually, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you is, because I look, I've seen you in action. I filmed you in action. So and I, I've literally filmed someone asking you, hey, what's good this week? So I know that a lot of times people will seek your your advice. What should I pick up? I guess I'm curious. And, and how, how do I know what's good this week? The way I know what's good this week, literally the, the, the morning that the new releases are available, I know what's good that week because I read between... 12 and 20 comics between the hours of 9 p.m. And I try to I try to shut it down by 1 a.m. That's cramming in a lot of data. And if you think about it, for the years I've done that and the page count on comic books, I'm I'm taking in a massive amount of information on a weekly basis. That wasn't what I was curious about, but I appreciate you asking and answering the question anyway. <laughs> hey, that's that's why you that's why you have me on. But actually, that prompts another question, which is, you know, you refer to it as information and data. And I guess I'm curious, and then I'll go back to the other question that I had, which, but 
on this note of taking in all the comics, because I, I know and I, I admire that a lot, the fact that you spend the time to read everything so that when you're making those recommendations, you're not just basing it on what you heard from someone else or what you read in a solicitation copy or a headline you saw on CBR or something like that that you're actually reading. I, I, but I guess at a certain point, does it not become art slash entertainment for you? And it, it really is more of this data slash information that you're processing to pass on for other people. Where Where's that line? Are you able to still have that entertainment aspect to it? Or is it really more, it's, it's, you're consuming all of this in order to be able to do the job? The way in which that line is maintained has always been that the last books I'm going to read are the books that I'm most interested in. The last books I wrap up that stack with are going to be things on my own subscription or things where I really want to see what happens. It's going to be, you know, a, a Dan Slott Fantastic Four. It might be a, a Jerry Duggan X-Men. It's going to be something where I really want to see what's going to happen next as a reader, as a fan. Everything else, I kind of need to get through it to know what's in it, to know what's on the shelf. Sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised. I'll say, wow, I was expecting nothing from that book. Like uh, last week's uh, Thunderbolts by uh, Jim Zub. I was not excited about that. I was two pages in. This book's amazing. I got to put it on my own list. I got to put it in these seven people's boxes as soon as I get back to the store. It's like I am pleasantly surprised often. Right on. So the question I was going to ask before is, let's say someone comes into the store, especially a new customer. And I'm sure there's some version of, Hey, welcome to Acme. Is there anything I can help you with? I'm, I'm sure there's some version of you greeting them and, and offering to, to assist in some way. And I can imagine, and I've seen the direction that can go when someone says, yeah, I'm trying to find this, that, or the other thing. If someone's like, no, I'm good, or I'm just looking, is that the end of it for you? Or is there, will you try again? Is there something that you would have to observe them do you, like, if you see them, like, looking like they're struggling or looking like they're having a hard time making a decision, will you sort of circle back and, and intervene? How does, how does that play out for you? How do you approach that? So this is fascinating because you're talking about a retail issue, not a comic book store issue. And, you know, there are different podcasts I listen to, different websites I check out pretty regularly. And that main thing of how do you greet someone, that's totally a thing, meaning that the very basic thing to do and I, I try to never do this myself. I also try to impart this to others is upon entry, you know, you have to see, you, you like to welcome someone, you know, acknowledge that they're in the store. You like to do that. And you can go in some comic book stores and that does not happen for the duration of your visit. It doesn't happen. But you want to greet them. But then if you lead with, can I help you find anything or what are you looking for today? Then that can cut things off pretty quickly in that the answer might be, you know, just an instant no or instant just browsing. And that's kind of a conversation killer. So something I try to, something I try to do is say something a little more uh, along the lines of what can we show you today? Because that could be anything. It's like, well, I want to, I want to see what Superman's doing. I want to see your posters. That way you can get a little, you can get a little something to work with as opposed to can I, can I help you find something? Cause you may not know what you're looking for at all, but what can I show you? Maybe that sparks something like, well, do you have star Wars comics? Maybe you get a little something. I'm still trying to refine that because I'm not going to say, you know, have you seen our new 
30th anniversary Death of Superman polybagged edition. I'm probably not going to say that because it's very specific. Uh, that person may not want to see that. But if I say something along the lines of what can we show you, it lets that person know that I'm available. It lets that person know that I'm interested in, in, uh, in their visit here. And beyond that point, I'll check in with a person from time to time. You still doing okay? Or are you finding, was there something that you were looking for? Maybe you didn't know if we had it or if it existed at all, just to kind of get some conversation going. And sometimes people, they'll open up after a point and they'll kind of uh, converse a little more. And sometimes you'll never know what it was that they were hoping to see. It just didn't work that way. No, it makes sense. No, it's it's, it's interesting to hear you you know, sort of lay out what, what the approach is. And that, that definitely makes sense. Now, like I said before, this is the first time we have you on the show since you took over as owner. A am I correct? This was official at the start of the year, at the start of 2022? That's when we publicly announced. And, um, you know, I, I can't remember if we talked about this, like, like off, uh, off, or off the record or not, but, you know, there's a part of me that didn't, I had to be convinced to publicly make that announcement. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to just keep things the way they were, maybe on free comic book day, maybe say something then maybe, but you know, for different reasons, I had to be convinced that this is something that people want to know. People want to know that something has happened here. People would really love to know that, you know, the person they've shopped with for so long, that they know has been been around for so long that they own the business now. And I think that was the right call because just, you know, for a variety of reasons, I, I didn't want to do it. Didn't want to say anything. That's so I'm not shocked, man. I'm not shocked. And I'm, but I'm curious why, like, why is it just, is it not wanting to draw the attention to yourself? Is it, I mean, what, what, what can you kind of uh, attribute that to? It's partly not wanting to draw attention to myself, draw attention to the store all day long. Let's do it. Promote the store, 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 Acme Comics, Greensboro, open since 1983. Sure. More Eisner nominations than I can count. But when it's something that's more focused on me, I'm going to be weird about it every time. I'm going to have to be convinced or, or, you know, I'll get into hostile witness mode and I want to talk about anything, but also I knew, I knew that there would be, there'd be entities and parties that, that would make a negative thing out of it. I knew that would happen. It did happen. And I just kind of rolled with it. I kind of rolled with it, but I, I just didn't want, I didn't want to deal with that part of it, even though it's this thing that I've been working towards for so long, even if I didn't know I was working towards it, everything I was doing here, whether I knew it or not, was kind of working towards that. And, you know, you, you shouldn't let, uh, you shouldn't let small negative voices dominate the just sea of, of, of loud, positive voices. You shouldn't do that, but I'm only human. And, you know, sometimes stuff gets to you. We, you know, you don't have to answer this. We could totally jump over it, but I'm curious if you're willing to elaborate on that at all, even if it's not the who, but it's like, wh like 
where was this coming from or how did it get back to you? Um, if you know the, if you know the local comic scene, you know where it's coming from. But if you don't, there are other stores in the region who, for some reason, have really been, for some reason, always have something to say about whatever I may be doing. Sometimes it's just the, the store. Sometimes it's actually me, and I don't understand it. I've never understood it. Um, but, you know, sure enough, those things did happen as far as, like, uh, you know, the, the, that I wasn't uh, uh, I wasn't brave enough to take over the store years ago or that I was already telling people for years that I owned the store anyway, which is none of those things are true. None of those things are true at, at all. But, you know, to, to see those things on social media, to have people say, you know, what is what is this person talking about? What is this all about? Because I, I don't go looking for things, but sometimes people. I don't want to see anything, but sometimes people show me things. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I've never known. But, you know, it's it's the same. It's the same entities that keep me. From interacting on Comics Pro more than, than I should, than I want to. It's been that way for years where I, I look at all the stuff, but I don't I don't comment on anything. I don't post on anything Comics Pro related. Um. Which that kind of bugs me, but I, you know, at this stage, I'm just kind of used to doing it that way. But, yeah, I really haven't. It's what, September now? Yeah. I have not. I have not truly taken a moment to enjoy owning this store and having reached this goal. It hasn't happened for me yet where I'm like, wow, I made it. Let's celebrate. Let's do a grand reopening. Let's do that. And now I've been doing what I do. Absolutely. I've been doing what I do, what I'm good at, but I'm not really yet taking a moment to fully enjoy the measure of what has gone on here. Haven't done it yet. Well, I'm sorry to hear about the negative voices, nuts to those people. And also to the extent that it's keeping you from, you know, engaging more fully on Comics Pro or other forums, you know, I, I'm sorry to hear that. Is it, is it that you don't want to be bothered, which, you know, I mean, I get, or is it that if you encounter that negativity, it's going to slow you down, it's going to impact your day, or is it a little bit of both? Like, where, where is that coming from, you think? There, there was a point a number of years ago where anytime I would post on Comics Pro, there were one of two regional entities that would have something to say because I said something. It might be related to the topic. It might not be. And at that time, when I reached out for, you know, some type of assistance, like can someone moderate this? It wasn't happening, you know, and, and I kind of suggested maybe a comics pro code of conduct, as opposed to like, if you paid your membership, then you're in, there's gotta be some sort of code of conduct in this arena but at that time and this was years ago and you know board membership has changed several times i myself uh uh was convinced to run for president uh, a couple years ago and uh, i did try to do that and there were there was pushback on that one so i won't be doing that again but uh i don't know i don't know like i said it's uh i'm only human so 
how I react to those type of things, because those type of things are going to happen. Those type of things are going to happen. So it's kind of on me how I how I how I process it. So I, I, I'm the one that's going to work on that because that stuff's going to happen. That stuff's just going to happen. It will. I mean, that's I think I think that is one of the most difficult but most fundamental life lessons. And it's something that if my grandfather always espoused and he was right. And it, it, it's proven true over and over. Right. You can only control your own behavior, right? You can't control anyone else's as much as you might want to, as, as much as people might do things that seem so counter to what, what they should do, what's reasonable, what's right. And it's a tough thing to be able to just kind of take that step back and be like, look, there's nothing I can do, right, to control what you're going to do. All I can do is control my response. Like, I think it's, and even though, again, I, I like to think that I've I've learned that lesson. Um, you always have to relearn it, right? Because there are always situations where, you know, you feel the frustration. So, I know, and I, you know, in my mind, I thought that, you know, everybody would be cool, is what I thought. But, uh, you know, there, there were even points where other stores would ask me, like, what was that? What was that all about when you were, you know, a candidate for Comsport president? What was that all about as far as like, like a, a interactions online they were seeing. And I was like, I don't know what it's about because it doesn't happen to everybody. It doesn't happen to everybody, but I'm catching it. Some days I'm okay with it. And some days it really bothers me. Some days it really bothers me. I, I understand. I, and look, I mean, I don't, I don't know the exact personalities you're talking about. I think maybe I might know of some, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know specifically, but, and look, I'm biased. You are my friend, but you know, I, I know, you know, I've seen what you put out into the world of comics and it's, it's a positive thing. And even beyond that, just generally speaking, even taking you out of the equation, just generally, I'm not a fan of getting in other people's way. Right. And, and just kind of like being that roadblock to someone else. So to the extent that they stymied, you know, attempts to advance in the organization or bring about other things, I don't think that's cool. And I'm sorry they've had to, you know, to, to deal with that, but you know, when you were in alternate reality, was there anything that did Steve have anything like that? It seems to me like Steve wouldn't he would wouldn't put up with that type of thing, or maybe it just wasn't there. I don't know in his world. Did you see anything? Not like not not, not like that. There's not nothing that that specifically comes to mind. You know, we had and look, we talked about this in early episodes of the show, but you know, there was definitely drama, but it was more within the store. It was like when one of the former owners opened a gaming shop elsewhere in the county and didn't tell Steve that created some tension. It was, you know, there was, there was some stuff like that, but, uh, again, you know, even in that case where it was now another story we're dealing with, it was still within the family, so to speak, as far as, as sort of those more external, but again, and I, I know we're not prying too deeply here, but maybe, maybe in this case, maybe there, there is that element at, at play here in, you know, in the Acme world. I don't know, but that was more kind of the form it took with alternate realities and Steve and, as far as comics pro or forums like that, I mean, he was never particularly plugged in to that. So it was, I would say ours was a little bit more insular or insulated. So I don't know that some of these issues were as, as prevalent. Yeah. Like I said, I had to be convinced that you only get like one chance basically to make this announcement. You know, we haven't done a, we haven't done a grand reopening, which we might do that someday. But as far as like, you, you have one chance to like, tell people what's going on. You can't miss that chance or you, you can't just, you know, 
quietly, uh, you know, announce there's some sort of transition. Also, also welcome to free comic book day, you know, and, and uh, everybody was right on that one. That was the right call to, to, uh, to publicly announce that something had happened. How, how did you primarily do it? Was it through the newsletter? It was through a newsletter and I was very lucky that, uh, there were two, uh, local, uh, free newspaper entities that, you know, they want good news. <laughs> they want good news, not just the bad news. And, uh, there were two, uh, pretty thorough yet different articles from yes, weekly here and uh triad city beat here, which you can look them up online, but they're very different. I, and I thought that was cool. They each have kind of different flavors and different angles to them. Uh, triad business journal. Uh, they did a, uh, a piece as well. So yeah, it, it was a good thing. Just as recently as uh, this weekend, someone said to me, congratulations. I was kind of like for what? Oh, oh, okay. Cause in my mind, I'm not, I'm not doing anything terribly different except for moments when I am, there are indeed moments that pop up that are going to be different than historically what I do, but I'm also still, you know, still on the sales floor, still buying collections, pricing collections, still doing most of the things that people expect to see and that are, uh, are still good for the shop. Right on. And what I can imagine, but, but what was the response from the Acme community, from your customers when they got this news? And and how did you receive? How did it? How did it come to you? Did you get email responses to the newsletter? Was it the next time people came in? A little bit of both. Like wh- how did how did how did the reactions come to you? And and what was the 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 overall uh, tone of them? It was it was all the channels. It was in person. It was email. It was uh, you know, uh, direct messages. It was it was across the board. It was it was everything. And you know, there were some people. And I can't control what someone else thinks. There were people that thought I already owned the store because I think they don't necessarily know how old the store is or how old I am. And, you know, I'll tell people, I well, I was shopping at the store when I was a kid, so I didn't, didn't start the store, didn't, didn't own the store from the start. Look, I'm sure I've said this before, but you call yourself Lord Retail. It conjures a certain sense. So the fact that someone would walk into the store, you're a regular presence, you're standing there, you're Lord Retail. I mean, it's it's not it's not an unreasonable assumption for someone to make. <laughs> it's not. But if someone ever told me so for, you know, basically 26 years, I've always correct them. You know, it would start off with saying, I just work here. And then it would change to, you know, I manage the place. Then it would change to, you know, I general managed two locations. I would kind of, it took me years to kind of say something other than I just work here. And even now it takes me a few seconds when a, a new, truly new person probably from out of town and hopefully having a good experience. I'll say, Oh, do you own the store? And I, it takes me a, a nanosecond or, or more to be able to adjust the answer that I give. Cause I gave the same answer for so long. Um, and, you know, back to the Lord Retail thing, I'm at the, I'm at BotCon, the Transformers convention in Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, very far away. And someone says, hey, Lord Retail. I'm like, who, what, where? It was, uh, that was a little surprising because I wasn't exactly in Lord Retail mode and mindset. You know, did I buy stuff for the store and come back with it? I, I did. I absolutely did. But it kind of snapped me back to uh, like, oh, also that. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, right on. I, I love that. And I have a couple more questions, I guess, about the the announcement and the reaction. One is, is there anyone you heard from particularly, well, I guess either, you know, in your, in your personal orbit or in the larger comics industry that you were, you were surprised to get a reaction from? Um, not really surprised. Like in my mind, I wanted to write a personal email to so many people and my new thing this is including you too. My new thing is starting emails and never finishing, never sending them. I have so many in drafts. And, you know, I think the first person I told was, as, as far as a, a creator, I just happened to be talking to uh, to Teeny Howard about some stuff. And I mentioned it to her first. She was the first person I, I you know, said anything uh, to it as far as what went on. And... I wanted to email Bendis, this big, long email. I wanted to email Hickman, this big, long thing, because these are people that, you know, had been around for a lot of developments and, and, and played a role in the success of the store by making incredible material. And I haven't done any of that yet. I, I'm going to do it. It's no longer news, but I'm going to do it. Um, also, I have an email to you as well that I've been working on for the past two or three years. <laughs> never, never sent but it'll happen. It'll happen. And then we're going to talk again. Look, this points us back to the mystery that is Lord Retail. You've, you told me about this email a long time ago. And I, you know, months ago now, I said to you, well, if you were able to send it to me before we do these episodes, that would probably be great. And you you had expressed that that was something that was in the realm of possibility. And that was my intent. And then when I thought about it again, I was like, oh, I'm talking to Anthony tomorrow. So. Couldn't really, uh, couldn't really get to it. But again, it'll give us something more to, uh, something more to talk about. It, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll circle back to the the the, the, mis- the mysterious aspect. But the, the other <laughs> is the it other... mysterious or is it me not being able to manage my time properly? Well, we'll we'll come back to that. But <laughs> you said that you haven't really had a moment to truly enjoy to savor the this the the, the moment of becoming owner or the fact that you now own the store. If and when that opportunity presents itself, what does that look like for Lord Retail? Is it just more of just like an internal, just a, a moment of quiet contemplation? Is it raising a toast? Is it being surrounded by certain people? How does Lord Retail truly celebrate and savor his ownership of Acme Comics? I, th- I guess it's all those things, you know, the, the uh, self-flagellation can start, you know, it can stop rather, not start. <laughs> It can stop. Um, I don't know. Is it just that I've read too many superhero comics where you're not supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to draw attention or take credit for, for your good deeds. It's like, yes, you, you've, uh, you know, you've saved the city, but that's not why we're here. It's not, it's not about me. Is that what it is? I don't know what it is where I just don't like to, I don't like to draw attention to me, to the store. Yes me as an avatar of the store sometimes i have to be in that mix but i don't know i don't know what that is but i i feel like at some point it'd be nice to i don't know throw, throw a nice party and thank everybody that was here along the way you know literally every dollar anyone spent whether they're still shopping with us or not every dollar everyone spent was getting me to this moment every recommendation 
hey, that's a good store. Check them out. Was getting me to, to that moment of ownership. All those little things. That's how I look at it. Yeah. No, I I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I can't, I know I've said this to you, but I, I'm, I'm so happy for you and proud of you for taking over the store because I know, I think probably going back to the first time we spoke in person, if I'm remembering correctly, I feel like it might've been over burgers at hops, uh, you know, right, right down the way there from the store. I, I feel like you, you had spoken about this. So the fact that it came to pass is, is a wonderful thing. And you know, we did another event on this podcast earlier this year with Sean from Fat Moose, another employee turned owner. And and in his case, it was either he takes over the store or the store goes away. Uh, so that was a very dramatic, you know, turn of events. But to, but to see folks who have been parts of their stores for as long as as both of you guys have, to assume that role, it, it, it's awesome. I love to see it. It it's it's really a it's a beautiful thing. So congratulations officially. Thank you. It means a lot. And it doesn't always go that way. You know, sometimes people work with an entity for 30, 40 years and, you know, they just get fired or, or uh, furloughed or whatever. No gold watch for anybody. It doesn't always go that way. And, you know, there were moments, sure, where I wasn't sure what was going to happen. You know, when you're told for not quite 20 years, you know, well, when this store is yours, you're going to have to dot, dot, dot. And you just don't know if that's what's going to happen. You have no idea. And for me, I did not have a backup plan. Like, could I take my skills elsewhere? Probably. Could I sell tires or something else? Probably. In, in the way that I do this product? Probably. Would I want to open another store? Because I got asked that all the time. For me, it was Acme Comics or nothing. I did not want to, you know, start another store. Lord, Lord Retail Comics. I didn't want to do that. That wasn't that wasn't it. It was Acme Comics or not at all. So I had no backup plan. So I kind of had to. I don't know if I was just sticking with this out of habit or if I was like, I got to see this through, even if it takes as long as it takes. I got to see this through. Interesting. So. So first, I do have a patron question from Brian, and you, you were just touching on this, so that's why it's, it's an appropriate point to bring it up. Uh, Brian said uh, to you, Jermaine, what do you think or know <laughs> you would be doing for a living right now if you weren't or had never started in comics retail? I always ask myself, and I wonder, if I had never picked up a comic book, who would I be? Who would I be? I, I have no clue. I have no clue. I, I cannot fathom the question of if I didn't do comics retail, what would I be doing? My, my brain is not equipped to answer that question. Sometimes I'll be around a group of friends or something, or, you know, some of us uh, may write a convention or just, just around like some people. And I'll say to myself, and sometimes I'll say it out loud. If I'd never picked up Transformers number one off that spinner rack, are any of us in this room together right now? Does this room exist if I never picked up Transformers number one off the spinner rack? I don't know. It's a lot to it's a lot to consider. But what would I be doing? No, no idea. It is a big question, man. I think about that too, if I didn't get that Death of Superman comic, because these documentaries, these podcasts, these creative outlets that I've had for myself have been 
such a big part, you know, talking about sense of self and identity. This has been such a huge part of, of my life. And it all stems from, from getting that death of Superman comic. And then the, the road that led me to alternate realities to everything that's followed. And so, yeah, I do wonder sometimes if I had never gotten into comics, you know, would I have, I don't know. It's like, would I, would I have come to documentary filmmaking and podcasting through some other avenue? I mean, possibly, but I mean, I can really trace everything, you know, the time at the store, all those personalities. I mean, that, you know, it just led from one thing to the next. So yeah, it's, uh, you can talk about alternate realities and what ifs. It's, it's a, it's an interesting question for sure. But I think that you are still involved somewhere close to academia. You're still involved in something dealing with legal stuff. I think that's, is it safe to say you still would have been in those arenas or maybe not those things. Yeah. I mean that I prop that more likely than not still would have been the road I traveled in, in the, in the day job, so to speak. So, yeah. But for me, it's like, again, that, that whole pathway of like, right. This marker, this mile marker. Sometimes it really seems like there was no alternative. This is it. This is what it was always going to be. I'm not saying destiny. I'm not trying to, get into all that, but sometimes things just look a certain way. Now, you know, you mentioned that the idea of like opening your own store, Lord Retail Comics was not in the cards for you. It had to be Acme or nothing. So, so I guess why, and then hand in hand with that, how, to, to whatever extent, you know, you can get into this, to, to how, how did the, the path unfold for you to become owner? Was it something that Mark Austin, the prior owner, had expressed an interest in you doing, and it was more a matter of timing and raising the capital. Is it something that you had been asking him about? And he was like, well, I'm not ready to sell. Like who, what came first there? Well, I mean, like I said, I I was literally told for not quite 20 years that, you know, when this story is yours, you're going to have to dot, 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 or you're going to have to learn how to dot, dot, dot when this story is yours. Now, those are just words. It's not nothing. It's not nothing, but those are just words. Um, and there came a point, and it's not that opening another store wasn't my, you know, quote unquote, my own store wasn't in the cards. I didn't want to do that. I became, I, I looked at myself as caretaker of Acme Comics where I used to shop when I was a kid. that has been around since 1983 and nothing's going to happen to it on my watch. That's how I kind of came to look at things. So it wasn't that I didn't think I could do it. Didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. Had to, it had to be Acme Comics had to continue. And so I, I didn't want to, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. I didn't want to be presumptive as far as, uh, me bringing it up to I usually it usually wasn't me bringing it up because that's kind of different when I'm the one that brings it up right whereas you know the owner of the store is letting you know that there are plans you are in those plans so it's kind of it's just kind of a different thing in, in that way but there were points where I, I was like I, there were points in life where I didn't know if it was going to happen there are points in life where the way that things were working, I didn't know if I wanted 
didn't know if I wanted it. Things work very differently now. Things work so very differently now. But there were points where I just didn't know, and I didn't have a backup plan. Did you? Not that I didn't have. Not. not I'm not saying I didn't have skills and, and options. I'm saying I didn't really have a backup plan as far as what do you want to do. People would ask me that in my life. What do you want to do? Sometimes not any store related capacity. Um, up until recently, I used to carry around a fortune cookie fortune in my wallet for 10, 12, 15 years. I don't know. And that, that, that fortune said simply, what if you could get everything you want? And that was such a profound question for, for me personally. Well, what if I could get everything I want? First of all, what do you want? Well, what if you had that? Then what? Here I am. <laughs> still, still trying to figure out the answer to that question. Well, I mean, that can be the thing sometimes that, you know, you strive for something for so long and you think once you attain that, you'll have whatever it was you were looking for, fulfillment, happiness, whatever it might be, and you get it. And that's, you know, not, not necessarily the case. I, I mean, I, I guess though, going back to how this unfolded, did, did, did you get the sense that it was, it was a case of, you know, maybe... I know you said Mark had made these statements about, oh, and the store is yours one day. Do you think that maybe he was waiting for you to make him an offer? Or, you know, because, or f like from your perspective, where was it like, well, when he's serious about selling, he'll come to me? Do you think there was like that kind of happening from both sides where, where each of you was sort of waiting for the other one to make a move or no? I can't answer what is in his mind. I, I can't do that. All I can do is guess. So I don't know if. In his mind, I was still the, you know, 21-year-old kid that, that's, uh, you know, just started working at the store. I don't know if that's what it was or if he felt that in some way I wasn't ready or that the direction of the comics industry and retail in general was not set up for my success. You know, and this is just you know, thinking back to just various comments here and there over the decades. Um, oh, I, so, you know, actually, I don't, I don't mean to, to cut you off, but I guess maybe that sort of answers my question. Is it, is it the case that when he would say, oh, and this is yours one day, the one day to you means, well, not now, right? So like, I wouldn't make you an offer now because you're talking about something that's far off. Is that, is that sort of how you were viewing it? Like when, he's really ready to sell it to me. It's not going to be a, when this is yours one day conversation, it's going to be a more immediate present one. Is that what was sort of going through your mind? I guess I could, I didn't know if I was, I think I was just taking everything with a grain of salt. I was taking the, you know, after knowing someone for so long, I kind of was able to recognize it, a offhanded comment, I guess, just sort of a casual comment versus a like, okay, this is, we're doing it. And it's, it's, not the, it's not the same thing. So when do you pass that point? When does this conversation become a real one? Who's the one who initiates it when it, when it finally happens? Um, and this is going back into what year is it now? 2022. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is where I'm at in life. Um, I believe it was 20, either 2020 or 2019 where actual, you know, documents are produced and signatures are required and, you know, 
regular meetings with lawyers are occurring. That's different than, well, when the store is yours someday, that, that was different. Things, things were very, very different. Um, but no, but I, <laughs> I don't mean to, <laughs> to belabor the point, but you're like, oh, well, meetings are happening. But I, I guess my, my question is, I'm assuming it wasn't just like you showed up and one day lawyers were there. Was it something that Mark was like, hey, if you're serious, like now we're going to start the process? Or did you go to him and you were like, hey, listen, we've been talking about this in very general future terms. Like, I want to make this happen. I feel like, and I can't remember precisely, but I feel like it was it was it was him that he had already, unbeknownst to me, he had already begun steps. And I didn't know that's where we were just yet. He had already begun, you know, tangible steps to proceed, and I did not know that's that we were there yet. So you would have to. Uh, You'd have to perhaps talk to him someday in order to know precisely what, what is what was in his mind at those times. But I do know, and this is a story for another time, that he was prepared to make a transition earlier than he did. Gotcha. But we'll talk about that another time. No, all good. And what was your, is, you know, I had the, the opportunity to meet and speak with and interview your parents when I was there making the documentary and they're, they're lovely and it was great. I mean, it was great to interview them, but it was great just to, to meet them. What was their reaction when, uh, when, when you, when you told them, how did they find out? Do they have to read the newsletter too, or did they get, did they get it? Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I told them the evening before it went live. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I need to, uh, I got to step in front of this before they uh, really read about it. So I, I did that. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it, it was, as you might expect, but it was also like an element of like, well, well of course you did. Well, th there you go. <laughs> it was a little bit of that there too. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, uh, I don't, there was a, there's more spotlight on me than I prefer from, from anywhere um, during those times. And even, and even now still, there just is, um, which is not something I prefer. I, I prefer that the spotlight be on the business, not on me. Well, I'm sorry for doing this once in future Lord retail podcast event where the spotlight is squarely on you, but on a, Actually, on the note of speaking about others, and and unfortunately, we'll start. Off, it's it's a par partially a, a somber conversation. I, I did want to take a moment to share some updates and discuss with you some updates of some of the people and stores who have been part of these these podcast and documentary projects over the years. Yeah. Especially because we are in the end game now. I, I have posted about this on social media. I probably said it during the Fat Moose episodes, but in case I didn't, after this Lord Retail trilogy, my comic shop history will return once more in 2023 for a quarterly four-part farewell event called For All Seasons, where I'll be reuniting with the core folks from Alternate Realities to say farewell. And I know we've had various finales on the podcast over the years, but this is Short of someone bringing back alternate realities, that's the only sort of escape hatch that I'm leaving for myself. Short of that, this will be the end because I feel like it's time to to land the plane and bring it all home. 
So we are in the end game now of the podcast. And I, I did want to take this opportunity to, to, to talk about, you know, what's gone on, you know, from, from what I've observed or, or, you know, heard directly from folks, the, the shops and people who've been part of these projects over the years. And, and first, and I know, of course, you are well aware of this, uh, Jermaine, and some folks who follow the show, show might be, but uh, Patrick Titus, the co-owner of uh, the comic book shop in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, owned the shop with his wife, Sarah. Uh, they were on season three of, of my comic shop history together talking about the business. Uh, Patrick sadly uh, passed away uh, earlier this year and uh, I was deeply saddened to hear that. And I just want to say this was after we had recorded the <clears throat> the earlier run of episodes. And so I just wanted to uh, publicly on the show extend my condolences to Sarah and the rest of the the, the comic book shop crew in Delaware. Uh, I was I was really sad to to hear that news. I mean, I only... Only had the opportunity to meet Patrick a couple of times, uh, once to interview him for the podcast, and then uh, when I went back there to film uh, for the documentary, and he's in a little bit of B-roll, and I, and I interviewed Sarah when I went back. Uh, but I know, Jermaine, like, you, you were you were fairly friendly with him, right? I know you, maybe not as much in-person interaction, but I know that there you did have a, a, a relationship with him, correct? Yeah, I uh, I met Patrick. Uh, everybody called him Titus. Everybody just called him Titus. Even his so, wife. Even yeah, his wife. I've, I met uh, I met Titus I think twice, once at uh, Baltimore Comic Con and uh, once uh, for a Baltimore retailer meeting that was in in Maryland anyway, and we just sort of crossed over into Delaware and visited the shop, and you know we were kind of close in age, so he appreciated the same cartoons and toy lines that I did, and you know we talk about Transformer parts from time to time, not often or. I'd, take a picture of a thing and say, do you know what this is? Like as far as some you know, robot toy or something. And it just kind of, it really hasn't sunk in for me just yet. Um, I really hated to hear about that, but I know that uh, there's a customer that, that is from Delaware that will stop in here from time to time. And uh, we kind of talked about uh, what a good guy he was. And you know, I'm glad that he got to be a part of your media stuff that you, that you got to be a vehicle through which others could know him and, you know, his voice and his, uh, his segments will always be there for people to, for anyone to discover. Um, yeah, I know they did, a they did a big sale of some of his, uh, some of his personal items that would each come with like a, a, a plaque saying this was part of the Patrick Titus collection. I thought that was, that's as good as any collector could, could hope for that type of thing. Uh, that was really cool. And that he would have liked that. Yeah. I, I like that as well. And I, you know, after he passed they the, the store's Facebook page uh, reshared the episode that I had done with him and Sarah and Yes, I, I, you know, it was, you know, people were commenting and they were like, oh, it was great to hear him. And, and so I'm glad to your point, like, I'm glad that we have that captured and even more so because I guess what I didn't realize at the time, but seeing the post and seeing some of the comments, I got the sense that I guess not unlike yourself, right? That he didn't necessarily like the spotlight. And so I, the sense I got was that it was even somewhat of a, of a rare or unusual occurrence for him to do something like that. So I'm even more honored that he took part and I'm glad that uh, that's there for, for the comic book shop crew, 
you know, to hear him talk about his experience. Uh, so yeah, again, my, my condolences to, to the comic book shop crew on a, uh, on a more personal, closer to home front. Um, we did an episode in season one of the podcast called Wednesday Widows. And, uh, it was my then fiance, now wife, Stephanie and Steve's wife, Anne, and, uh, one of the other guys from the shop, Doug Desher, his wife, Marie, she was, uh, the other who, who joined us, uh, talking about, you know, uh, you know, being the significant other of someone who's into comics. Um, and Marie sadly passed away, uh, a, a few months ago. Uh, she had been battling cancer off and on really for basically the entire time I knew her. Uh, but she was just such a lovely, you know, radiant, positive person and, you know, same type of thing. I'm glad that we were able to do that episode. I'm glad that that's there. She was so great on the episode. I'm, I'm glad that we have it. I haven't, I haven't had the heart to go back yet, but I will at some point to listen to it again. Uh, but she was wonderful on the episode. And like I said, she had been, you know, she, she, you know, would, would, you know, have a bout with the cancer and then it would be in remission and then it would come back. But whenever she would come out to, to dinner with us, with the AR crew, uh, you know, regardless of what she was going through, she was just always such a, again, such a positive, just warm person. And, you know, unfortunately, I think due in large part to both AR being closed as well as the pandemic, I, I don't think many, if any of us really had had much contact with Doug in, in the time leading up to this. I know for myself, and I think for a lot of the AR guys, I don't want to speak for them, but I, I think it was a surprise. We didn't, you know, we, we didn't know how bad it had gotten and, and the extent of it. And so seeing that, uh, notice was, was really, um, yeah, really sad. So I, I want to, again, publicly extend my condolences to, to Doug, uh, and just share this remembrance of, of Marie. She was a wonderful person. And, um, you know, if anyone wants to go back and it was, it was a great uh, episode in the first season, uh, a lot of fun and a totally different perspective than you got in the rest of the episodes. Uh, and she was a big part of that. So, um, yeah, sadly we lost Marie as well. But, you know, when you do these podcasts, when you've done your documentary film, these things are there forever for people to discover. So it's a really good thing that you decided that there was value and story to worth recording with, with, with people. And, and it'll be there forever for, for people to discover. Indeed. And by way of other updates, so you know, I, I, it's, uh, unfortunately this is going to become a little bit of a, a theme here, uh, when, when we talk about some of the shops and, uh, no, no more, um, passings, uh, but, but as far as just updates on, on stores themselves, uh, a few have closed, uh, that, that were featured in past projects. Uh, very recently interstellar comics and collectibles in Palm Springs, California. Uh, they were not in the documentary, but they were in season three of the podcast, uh, they announced the closing. It was very, very abrupt. Uh, I don't know exactly what went on. The the, the young man, he was in his twenties when he who who owned the store when I interviewed him. He had sold it to someone else, like I think a couple of years ago, uh, and I never met that person. I never had any contact, uh, but I still followed the Facebook page and I saw that they uh, they had closed recently and they were selling all the fixtures and everything like that. Um. Again, meanwhile, as I'm sharing the, the updates like this, it's, you know, I, it's just, uh, I don't know, I sort of, as we're, as we're nearing the end of all of this, uh, I'm looking back and you see even in a short amount of time, how much change, you know, there, there can be. And, and, um, 
you know, again, I'm sure that the pandemic didn't help matters when we're talking about these closings, but, uh, you know, that was, that was one, uh, I think the, I know you and I had talked about this a, a little bit, uh, off mic, but big news, fairly big news, uh, in, in comic shop news, uh, is the impending closing of Amalgam Comics and Coffee House. What, you know, again, they were in the podcast season three, they're in the documentary. This is as the name suggests, right? This is part comic shop, part coffee house run by Ariel Johnson. First, you know, black woman on the East Coast to own a comic shop. She's been in the news a ton. And uh, again, very interesting business model. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw saw the news about that? I mean, you know, your, your heart just sinks because you don't like to hear about any comic book store closing. You don't like to hear about a good comic book store closing, like a good community member store that that's uh amalgam was but you know comics retail is difficult and i also don't know what was going on in the philadelphia region as far as like you know uh, how the pandemic was truly hitting that area and affecting business in, in in their part of the world i don't i don't know those things but comics retail is very difficult it is very difficult and it gets harder and harder by the day with profit margins getting narrower and narrower and you know, I, I just uh, a person knows what's right for them when it comes to their business and other things. So, and I don't want to put that additional pressure out there of you know the the, the very unique role that Amalgam Comics had in in comics retail, a very unique role. I don't want to also put that pressure out there too, but that store meant a great deal. To a lot of people, um, that store, uh, uh, Black Star Collectibles, th- th- those stores will always mean a lot to people. And I'm certainly sorry to hear that news specifically about Amalgam Comics. So that, that was rough. Yeah, I was sad to hear that. I and she gave an interview where she talked about the reasons for the closing and and. Uh, a lot of it did point to the pandemic and the period of time where they were fully closed and just the economic downturn, generally people not having as much disposable income for comics, not having a lot of foot traffic. I think the area, you know, played a role as well where they, you know, just weren't seeing that, uh, the foot traffic. I, I think the thing that struck me so much and why I was so surprised was, like I said, she's had a ton of press. I mean, she's been featured a lot of places. She was on the Kelly Clarkson show not too long ago. I don't know if you caught that. It was a remote segment. I didn't see it. No, no. You know, and they've, they've, you know, received grants and things like that. But I guess, you know, that's the thing. Sometimes it can create this false illusion, right? You're seeing all this press and it's like, well, that must be translating to, to sales, right? And robust business. And it's like not, you know, not necessarily like the store itself might've had this profile or, or, you know, she is the owner, but you know, it wasn't necessarily, getting people in the door. Um, so it's, and, and I, I guess what's disheartening about that, it's like, you, you know, stores, I think would, like would kill to have publicity like that. Right. And you would think that it would, it, it would generate something. So it was, it was sad that even with all of that, it still wasn't enough to, to keep the store going. Certain things like that don't always translate into a usable energy. If that makes sense. It's not always something that can be converted into you know, uh, keeping the doors open necessarily. Um, 
And I don't think I ever really spoke to Ariel. Like I, I email her from time to time or Facebook message. Like I was really pushing for her to be a louder voice in places like Comics Pro and other places. And I didn't really understand why she wasn't like coming to the forefront. But then it occurred to me, maybe she didn't want to. Maybe she didn't want to do that, which is entirely possible, entirely valid. Yeah, the amalgam closing uh, is tough. Uh, but on a positive note, uh, our mutual friend Menachem at Escape Pod Comics, he's coming up on the 10-year anniversary of, of that store. So uh, congratulations in, in advance. Uh, very happy for him. Uh, Ralph Matthew, Alternate Reality Comics in Las Vegas, they moved to a new location that uh, seems to be serving them well. So that was some uh, some some movement. Uh, there was a customer that moved here from Las Vegas and he did business with Ralph and he was shocked that I knew who that was. That happens so often where somebody from some other part of the country moves here and, you know, I'll, I'll ask, are you new to the area? And I'll, and I'll say, well, what was your hometown shop? And chances are it'll be someplace I've heard of. And they're just absolutely shocked. I'm like, oh, that's Ralph's store or uh, you know, Maximum Comics. That's Maximum J's store. You know, they're just shocked that I know these things. Yeah, I know. That is so funny. It, you know, the other thing, too, I have to say, it's, I, I, I'm not in, I don't know, I'm not in as regular contact with these stores that people might expect after the projects, you know, to, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I talked to you and I talked to Sean uh, at Fat Moose and, of course, Mark Hammond. That's my local comic shop. So, I mean, you're the guys I like talk to the most, Menachem occasionally. But, again, between stores closing and... Uh, Cave Comics, for example, Pat Callanan, the owner there who I had interviewed, he retired. Someone new took over the store. Uh, Torpedo, uh, also in Las Vegas. My contact there, Gabe, who I had had, you know, I interviewed for the movie. He he left. He has a new career now. He's not with the store. I don't have any connection to anyone there now. So, yeah. And and also, too, I think just in certain instances, oh, look, we've talked about this. None none of them were bad experiences, at least from my perspective. I hope, I hope the shops would agree. But they didn't all necessarily lead to friendships, right? They did in, in, in some, some, you know, big instances like with you and like with Sean, but not necessarily in others. And not that we're, you know, again, on, on bad terms or anything. And I'm, I'm confident if I went into any of these stores, I haven't talked to in a long time, you know, we'd have a great encounter, but you know, it's just, it makes me appreciate the instances like with you, like with Sean, where you have these friendships develop because Look, I've been to a over, you know, two dozen stores with these projects and, you know, it's a very, you know, less than a handful of instances where it's really been something like this. I love talking to other comic book stores. I absolutely love it. Be it, you know, Pittsburgh Comics in Pittsburgh, be it Memory Lane Comics in Wil Wilmington, North Carolina, or Comic Envy in Asheville, North Carolina, or just stores anywhere. I love talking about, like, how's it going? How are things selling? How are your packages arriving? Is there anything that you need that maybe I have a billion copies of and you have no copies of it? I love that. I love friendly interactions with stores and I absolutely hate the other kind of interaction. Yeah. No, I mean, look, it's it's one of these things and we've, we've addressed this, we've encountered it as much as the community and friendships, the fun, the classic line, right? Uh, you know, as much as that's a big part of this, you know, thankfully in a lot of instances, it's not everywhere. But that's why I think when you do encounter it, uh, why it means so much and why you see, 
you know, these communities at certain places where they are so strong because it, it, it really means a lot. And, you know, kind of tying up this piece about updates on stores, you know, to see, you know, shops close, you know, whether it was, you know, mine closing after decades or, you know, some of these younger stores closing after, you know, a few years, it does make you appreciate even more when, when stores make it, you know, look at Acme Comics. I mean, that's quite, quite a tenure, you know, it's, it's no small feat. And you see that and you really recognize that even more when you see, uh, you know, other shops closing. And, you know, I, I do want to let people know because people ask that knock on, knock on linoleum, things are going pretty well here. You know, everybody's working super hard. Everybody is working super hard because it's not just like set it on autopilot and everything's going to be fine. Or like, oh, now we can finally rest. That's not what it is. It's like, you know, everybody is... is doing their best to, to push that rock up the hill and over the hill. It's not just necessarily rock up the hill every day, like what I was kind of familiar with. Something new, different, and good is is happening here. Um, you know, I, I want this business to, uh, to not just endure, but also to, to thrive and to, you know, be able to do right by the senior staff who've been here to help get it to this point. And I think we're be, I think we're able to do that. You know, it, it's, it's a start. It's a long, long, it's a long time coming, but we're moving in a, in a positive direction because the public is receptive, whether they, have never been here before at all or come in here once a week. They're really, they really like the place. And I can tell, you know, do we please everybody every time? No, we just don't. Cause that's just not how anything works, but people seem to still be into Acme comics or to want to like, wow, next time I come back to Greensboro, I got to visit that store, see what's going on. So I really liked it. Or, you know, there's still people during the pandemic that uh, we developed some mail order customers who several have never set foot in this store. And we still do business with them regularly. There are people that have moved away, several states away, and they still maintain subscriptions here, which is outstanding. That, that is fantastic. That's uh, that's uncommon. And uh, But, yeah, th- things are going pretty well. Things are going pretty well through, through the uh, – the hard work of everybody here, you know, Austin, Pete, we picked up a new employee, uh, uh, Jeremy, who's learning our strange ways here. Um, like everybody things are going okay. And I hope that things continue in that direction. Cause there are, I get asked the question, well, what do you want to do? It's like, okay, you, you, you're here, you own the place. What, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I kind of really hadn't had a chance to process anything. I never really have a chance to process things. It's like something significant happens and I got to be at work tomorrow. I got to be at work tomorrow. Not really a chance to truly step back and process anything, which is, I think I got to take vacations more because simply being away from here gives me time to kind of process stuff and think about what do I want to do? So far, 
so far, I think my personal, like everybody else here, you know, Ben and Austin, they've done some amazing things. They've literally transformed the room I'm sitting in right now where it doesn't just look better. It functions better as a sales floor functions better, you know, so far other than knowing when to stay out of the way of a good idea, my greatest accomplishment is getting hot water in this building. That's my greatest accomplishment where I can say that was me and only me. You know, for 20, uh, since 1996, this place has not had hot water in here. But I asked the landlord, once I was able to talk with him directly, like, hey, can you get me a hot water heater that works? It was done like two weeks later. Hey, Am I burning my hands constantly thinking that there's no hot water? Yes, I'm burning my hands constantly. <laughs> but hey, it's here. Hey, that's an accomplishment. Well done. Listen, I really enjoyed this. I hope the audience did as well. We still have so much more to talk about, and we still have two oh, yeah. two more installments of this Lord Retail Trilogy coming up in October and November. So there's a lot more to come. We'll talk more about what changes the store has undergone since you took over as owner, regardless of who was initiating it, but <laughs> changes that uh, the store has experienced and and goals and plans for the future. We'll talk about, you know, you mentioned taking a vacation. What would a Lord Retail vacation look like? What do you like to do when you're not there? The man beneath the, not the fedora, but the man beneath the hat. It's more of a Borsalino. You ever watch uh, The Blacklist, that television show? It's more of a nice Borsalino. That's what I'm looking for. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So we will be back next month with part two of the once in future Lord retail. Uh, Thank you, Jermaine, for taking part in this. I do appreciate it, especially as someone who doesn't like to have the attention on himself. I really do appreciate you, uh, you you being so game for this. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I I appreciate it. And next episode, we're also going to talk about that Superman episode, by the way, we're going to pull on some strings there too. This isn't over. Wow, man, that's a that's a tease if I ever heard one. And Jermaine will hopefully have his microphone next time, so uh, we'll we'll be in good shape. <laughs> All the stuff will be here. <laughs> All right, everyone, make sure you come back next month. Make sure you check out the other shows within the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network. And of course, as always, don't be a flat squirrel. Support the show and receive exclusive additional content, including my DC Movie Rewatch podcast at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show. Also, be sure to explore the other shows within the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, which is home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, all hosted by yours truly. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Visit flatsquirrelproductions.com for more. Thank you all.